Welcome to the Healthy Jacks Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you find the best ways to stay healthy and keep moving in Jacksonville. My name is Dr. Peter Yu, and I am a performance physical therapist here in Jacksonville and the host of this podcast. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with the right health and fitness information that is not only practical, but evidence-based as well. I also have the pleasure of highlighting some of the top health and fitness professionals around here so that you can stay up to date on the latest information. My goal as a performance physical therapist is to help educate and empower athletes and active adults to take control of their own health so that they can get out of pain, optimize their performance, and build true longevity for life. You can find us on Instagram at The Healthy Jacks Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. The Healthy Jacks Podcast is sponsored by MotionRx Health and Performance. At MotionRx, we specialize in helping athletes and active adults overcome injuries and get back to their sports and activities they love pain-free. Head to MotionRxHealth.com to find out how we can help you move better, feel better, and live an active, fulfilling life. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Jacks Podcast. Uh, it's Dr. Peter. Um, today, I have the super awesome, awesome pleasure of bringing on an extremely special, special guest. And you guys might be wondering why this is super special, because every single time on these episodes, I always say all these guests are super special. But today, we have our very own Dr. Kate, our new physical therapist in the building. Kate, what is up? Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited you're here. And we are also joined by another co-host as well, Mr. Nate. Very super special co-host. <laughs> the most special. The most special co-host as well, too. So, yeah, super excited to dive a little bit into, you know, your background, Kate, um, kind of what your specialties are, as well as some of your interests. Talk about Taylor Swift, talk about CrossFit, um, talk about how you're the shoulder expert <laughs> and all that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... Yeah, what, where, where'd you grow up? You know, what made you go into PT school? Let's give, give the little peeps um, a little background about yourself. Sure thing. So I am from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, I grew up dancing, and so that is where I found PT as I injured my knee in high school. My dad went to the initial evaluation with me, and we both walked out, and we were like, hey, what about PT? Um, and from there, I, you know, signed up for AP Bio, and the rest is history. Um, so from there, I went to Hold on, pause, please. I'm going to be a little rude and pause. But how did you, how did you hurt your knee? Um, so I was doing a tap, dance move. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> it's called a wing. So basically, you know, your feet start under you, and then they both go outward. So you got a little bit of a valgus force going on. And so you may be able to guess what I might have sprained. It's my MCL. Um so, oh, I, this is a good part of the story. So first I went to a medical doctor, and medical doctors are awesome, but medical doctors have to know so much that sometimes they don't know anatomy as well. So I was sort of diagnosed with the classic patellofemoral pain syndrome. My uh, patella wasn't tracking, tracking properly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, a few weeks later I went to a PT, and, you know, the fact that he could just sort of feel around, watch me walk, and say, hey, this is what's wrong, and then get me back to things um, – it's just, yeah, really important. That's awesome. I wish I wish I had like a cool PT injury story, story like that. But growing up, I I was actually very lucky to not have the need to go to a PT. What about you, Nate? 
Uh, no, I'm uh, no no crazy story either. I guess I could just make something up, but uh, I think the Kate might be more athletic than both of us combined. So she's probably <laughs> putting a lot that. more force through her uh, through <laughs> her joints needs, and yeah. ligaments than we were than us two unathletic folks. Um, cool. Well, what is the, go a little bit more into this uh, dance routine that you were going through when you kind of tweaked it. This dance routine. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm intrigued. Cause I don't. I don't really know much about dance. Um, do I need to like stand up and show you? That doesn't we work got, yeah, we've got all these well wires on, going on. on so. Podcast form, um, but. We will. We will. We will record it and post it on Instagram oh, Reels for. Idea. So do we need guys. to do a reenactment on a on a reel of me and Peter or Peter and I? Yeah, doing, I'll teach you guys wing. how to do it. Do the wing. Okay. <laughs> do the wing. So it's called it's called the wing though, right? Yeah, it's a okay. tap dance. Move. It's a tap dance. Yeah. So you did tap dance growing up. Yes, that was one of them. Yeah, I've been dancing, well, you know, it's not really dancing when you're three and four, but, you know, sort of. Um, but, yeah, just it was recreational, all for fun, all sorts of different kinds. My mom's a dance teacher. I have horrible hand-eye, foot-eye coordination, and so that was pretty much the option. Um, but it ended up, I liked it as well. Uh, what about your brother? Did ben, uh, did ben dance as well, too? You know, Ben is one of those people who is naturally good at everything. And so, was. you know, we could catch him like trying some break dance moves. Um, he actually, when I was, I danced in college for a little while and I was making up a routine for like a showcase and some of it was literally inspired by Ben because Ben made some moves up and I threw it in there. That is amazing. Um, <laughs> for those of you guys listening who don't, who are wondering who this Ben is. So Ben is actually uh, one of my, one of our first uh, CrossFit buddies um, that I became friends with uh, when I first moved down to Jackson. Who's actually the one who um, introduced us uh, to his um, sister Kate, um, and that is why she's actually here uh, working for us now. So shout out Ben! I know you're definitely listening to this. Um, so you have to show us some of your inspired uh, inspo dance moves sometime, Ben. <laughs> so cool. Um, all right. So tweaked your knee uh, dancing, and then uh, went to PT, and then um, that was pretty much what inspired you to go to PT school. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's I haven't regretted it. So, yeah. What what, what how was the, what was the process like? You know, did you did you go into PT school feeling like, hey, I want to come out working with you know other dancers, kind of just like myself? Um, you know, what do you what do you kind of think um, along the way? Just because I mean, PT is such like a broad field, right? You have like PTs who work with uh, geriatric people, people who uh, PTs who work with people in the hospital, people um, PTs who work with sports and athletes. Yeah, so at the time, um, pretty much my only exposure was to outpatient PT. I really didn't understand just how many places you could take it. Um, So at that point, I was thinking just sort of your classic outpatient orthopedic clinic, potentially dancers. Um, At that point, I wasn't lifting or really working out, so the sports population was super intimidating to me. but throughout PT school, I saw the other options. You know, I considered pediatrics briefly. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Not for me. I always knew the hospital wasn't for me. Um, and then when I got into CrossFit, I always thought, like, it was that would be awesome to work with CrossFit athletes. And, yeah, I'm just super excited that now I get the opportunity to work with athletes like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you mentioned that before growing up you were almost – afraid of working out and getting strong is that what you yeah it just really wasn't interesting to me um how did i mean especially coming from like a dancing background how did you end up like falling into crossfit then because i mean those are pretty two like different sports at opposite ends of the spectrum if you kind of think about it (laughs) i'd be curious to hear that story yeah well you know okay so i guess i 
found, it was like end of high school, I started working out in just a typical gym, but Ben introduced Yeah, this podcast is all about, we're just going to be talking about Ben all fucking. Yeah, Ben introduced my mom and I to it. So my mom and I both started at the same time, um, and it was, yeah, it was pretty much immediate that I loved it. After my first class, I was like, oh, wow. And then, you know, it just keeps growing. But, yeah, it was all Ben, and now I'm fitter than him, so, you know. Fitter than both me and Nate. The student has become the teacher. So what what kind of stuff were you immediately better than, uh, um, than typical at, like, because of your dance background? Were there any things you picked up easier? So I think, um, yeah, I mean, I was not super strong, but I think that my body awareness has made all of the learning the new skills a lot easier just because I understand, like, what the cues are that people give me. So mm-hmm. my movement patterns are, relatively speaking, more efficient than a regular newbie, but... I mean, otherwise, um, certainly didn't have the arms from dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Nate, you've been coaching CrossFit for quite some time. Do you feel like you see, um, you know, people who come from more of kind of like a dancing gymnastic background um, end up kind of picking up CrossFit and going into it like very, very almost seamlessly just because they have such good body awareness and stuff? Uh, I know I've definitely kind of noticed that with like um, people who come, come from gymnastic backgrounds, um, their body awareness with like the snatch and the cleaning jerk is like they pick it up very, very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. S- stuff like, you know, the g- actual gymnastics moves, whether it's like rope climbs or pull ups or muscle ups, like their body positions are a lot more tight and controlled. So there's they're a lot more efficient. But yeah, they're just a lot more flexible typically as well, which really helps in the Olympic lifts. Sometimes they can be a little hi- like hypermobile, um, mm-hmm. which makes like lockouts a little bit weird. And sometimes you're like, oh God, it looks so sketchy. Uh, but yeah, they're typically they just they just their movement looks a lot better aesthetically than people who have had, had never done gymnastics or dance. Did you did you ever do gymnastics or dance growing up? No, I didn't. My, my mom tried to get me to do uh, um, to do dance. I think ballet when I was a kid, and she oh, she was yeah. like football players do it and, uh, <laughs> and she's like tried to get me to do it but like by selling it that way but i was i just had no interest at all so no no dance for me I, I i don't know if you saw the our most recent reel but if you watch that the answer is pretty obvious that i never no i did ever dance growing up hey, it's never never too late to teach uh, an, old dog, an new older tricks. dog <laughs> new tricks, right um so yeah yeah, it's funny because in in that dancing Instagram, you, know, you can tell Kate is obviously the most a- athletically dancingly uh, gifted out of between the three of us. Um, so yeah, I'm cool. So you know, um, after PT school, you went through residency. Is that is that right? Yeah. So I went to PT school at Ithaca College in Ithaca, New York, um, and decided to then do a residency program after there. So a lot of my professors at the college also are part of the residency program, and I went through school hearing about the residency program. Um. So for, for those those listening that are not well-versed in, like, how PT school works or what a residency program is uh, as far as, like, PTs go, do you want to mm-hmm. explain a little bit about what that, what that was like? So you do your residency after you graduate from PT school? Yeah, sure. So residency is optional for physical therapists. So... You get your bachelor's and your doctorate for physical therapy school. Um, But then, so physical therapy is, you know, a broad 
school. So then from there you can go into specialties. And so I did an orthopedic physical therapy residency um, because I knew that was the general population that I wanted to work with. And they say you can get five years of clinical experience out of one. So it sort of just compacts your learning and you get a lot of good mentorship along the way. So you don't end up making as many mistakes in the front end. What are you talking about? We don't make any mistakes. No, no we're perfect. <laughs> perfect. <All right. laughs> Um, well, what, what was kind of residency like then? Um, I'm curious because I, I never ended up going through a residency. Yeah, sure. So it was a year long. Um, my residency had a multiple mentorship model, which I found super valuable. So we would have weekend courses. I think we had 11 different courses. There were Six of those were in major body regions. So we would take a course, um, study, take exams, practicals, and then every week we had a few hours of mentorship and that went through different mentors and they all had different specialties and body regions. Um, so those, uh, we also did a case report. We spent some time as a clinical instructor to a student. We spent some time assistant teaching at a school. So I think that's sort of the general outline that you would find at different residency programs. Um, but just that mentorship and um, the courses all in one year is really what gets you all that knowledge. Yeah. Um, how did you like being a clinical instructor? I loved it. Yeah. I mean, partly I think is because I loved my student. I think that can make a big difference. Um, but I loved it, and it was, it's really helpful because that helps you reflect on how much you actually do know because a lot of times, I don't know, you sort of forget where you are in your journey. Um, but then when you look back on where you were um, and just to help someone else grow the way that people helped you grow is really rewarding. Yeah, for sure. I think that's kind of cool because at the same time, you know, you were being mentored by someone else. And yeah. then also simultaneously, you were also kind of mentoring mm -hmm. um, another student as well. So I think that was definitely like a pretty cool experience um, to kind of go through at, at the same time and stuff. Um, cool. Well, what, what's the plan after residency? I mean, you know, obviously you feel like, you know, you just want to learn, 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 learn. Um, what's like, what are some other things you want to are interested in, want to learn more about? Yeah, so now that I'm in this population, we're working with more active adults, I just want to continue to grow my knowledge on like strength and conditioning principles and CrossFit movements and running mechanics and just ways to better serve the athletic population because um, I got a little bit of that in residency, but that was one course versus, I mean, there's so much out there. So um, just figuring out how to be better for the active population. Yeah, what, do, what would you say is like the top top like couple um most common injuries that you see with crossfit athletes oh you know the shoulders you know we do a lot of shoulder dominant things so just um you know little tender shoulders low back with all the hinging movements that we do um you know knees lots of squatting so you know it may depend on how your gym programs but whatever you find loaded most often is probably what's going to be hurting in people yeah so what do you think we can people can do from like any like a programming standpoint then to kind of um, help almost kind of like mitigate or almost kind of like decrease risk of um, you know some of these injuries and stuff yeah I think paying attention to volume is a big one right I mean it's fun to do like really hard long workouts with lots of the same movement pattern but you know if your body isn't ready for that something's gonna hurt um, and then I think right if programs can put in a little bit of like prehab shoulder stabilization you know low back endurance 
work, um, even if it's just a few times a week, that's just going to help offload some of those heavier repetitive forces. I think the hard part is how do you almost kind of like make it sexy and fun, right? Because nobody wants yeah. to do important like shoulder prehab or like low back endurance shit. Nobody wants to do GHD back extension holds. Everyone wants to do like fun clean complexes and like shoulder snatch complexes. So I, I've definitely kind of thought about that a little bit about uh, myself. But again, I think it's like until you kind of gauge people's interest in terms of like, hey, like this is actually how do we like make it fun almost right um, to kind of cater to this um, population. It's hard though. It is hard. I feel like you have to like just get an injury and then be like oh shoot i need to do something yeah. about this and that's typically probably what you see right is pe- yeah. people don't you don't hear about it until it's like a major major problem you yeah. just kind of as a coach you have to read the eyes of the people that are in front of you because you can kind of tell like when they go to like hop up on a pull-up bar or like go down to do their first squat of the day if they're kind of like grimacing a little bit you probably know that oh, this person's a little bit beat up and they might they might need some special attention before things turn into little things turn into big things yeah and like at least for me personally it probably took me like two solid years of doing crossfit before i could like figure out what it's like kind of that like almost like optimal frequency across the workouts that i could do and i've now realized it's probably about three to four in a week that i could actually do and like not feel completely beat up and then on those other like two or three days spend that time doing more kind of just like pure strength and conditioning work and just like again again the shoulders super strong and low back um getting the squats up really really strong because again doing all that like strict boring strict stuff is what's going to allow me to kind of do all the more fun like super higher skill gymnastic um high volume stuff um seeing in like crossfit med cons um but again that's just that's just for me and stuff so um, I'm sure, you know, other people who may come from, you know, like a stronger shoulder foundation um, like you, right? So, again, you probably don't may not need to do as much shoulder accessory yeah. work um, and be able to kind of get away with some more volume. So, yeah, I think it's just kind of experimenting a little bit, understanding kind of, you know, what your strengths and weaknesses are and maybe spending a little bit more time um, working on kind of the weaknesses, thus allowing you to do all the fun workouts and stuff without reaping without reaping the negative consequences. I think maybe doing, so the strict stuff, like if you're doing strict pull-ups or strict handstand push-ups, you're kind of self-limited by you, the, the how strong your muscles are and what their endurance is mm-hmm. like. If you go just right to kipping, handstand push-ups and pull-ups and butterfly pull-ups, like you're limited just by like how much you want to do, honestly. So you kind of like infinitely increase the amount of volume you can do. And like Kate said, for some people, like that volume knob, if you turn that way up, that's definitely going to lead to some, some flare-ups for a lot of people. So if you say like, hey, do five minutes as many strict pull-ups as you can do, like people are going to hit muscle failure pretty quick. It might be doing like sets of one to two at the end. But if you're like, hey, do a five-minute AMRAP of butterfly pull-ups, somebody might be like... <laughs> 100, <laughs> 200 yeah. plus. Yeah. Yeah, that's the... I mean, that's the hard part about group workouts is that you get there. And even if you're like, oh, I'm going to take it easy today, you know, you know, you're probably not going to because in the moment you're just like having fun, you get competitive. So, I mean, part of it is just practicing being like, okay, how do I feel today? And really, it's okay for me to scale today yeah. because it's not the best thing for my body and thinking like long, a little longer term than, you know, the workout that's right in front of you. I think it's definitely the hard part with like um, with Metcons and stuff, especially just because with like more kind of like strength-based work, right, you can 
definitely um, auto-regulate like your training with like, you know, percentages, making sure you stay at maybe at like a little bit more moderate intensity percentage or even same thing with like RPE, right? Um, hey, like maybe don't push our RPE 10 every single time. But again, I feel like with Metcons, it's just like, all right, we're cranking the knob up. or <laughs> full send, you know? Yeah. And again, it's part of that, just part of that group environment and stuff, right? It's kind of hard to almost like tell yourself though, hey, we need to hold back a little bit in this Metcon, but now it's full send, <laughs> balls to the wall, five minute AMRAP, let's go. You just gotta play, you gotta play something, some kind of music that you really dislike yeah. and that doesn't hype you up. Like whatever the opposite of like, <laughs> so no Taylor Swift, no heavy metal, just like Enya, that's like RPE5 music right <laughs> Yeah, <there>. that's right. <laughs> Use music to help auto-regulate training, I like that. There um, it is. What's, yeah, what's your, what's your favorite type of music for God to Kate? Ooh, I love pop. Even better if they're like pop remixes. You know, like a little okay. like dance hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of like like that too. Yeah. What's the I, two two dudes? Is that the or two guys? Oh yeah, what yeah. is? Uh, it's like a it's a playlist of like a mashup of a bunch of different songs, yeah. and I think they're all like like they're they're in podcast form on Spotify, but they're great for like working out, mm-hmm. like basically for an hour. Oh, it's cool. It's, it's a podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and they no just idea. flow right into yeah. each other. But yeah, it's, it's super cool. It's two <laughs> DJs that like that like made a like workout mixes and stuff. But yeah, it's good stuff. All right, well, what's what's your least favorite? type of music oh heavy metal that's nice that's nice right there we will not be good okay so whenever yeah whenever kate needs to hold back let's throw throw some heavy metal on so she can just uh, be rolling my eyes (laughs) she cannot push the intensity a little bit oh man that's funny what's your what's your top two favorite artists well taylor swift is number one and i don't think i have a number two because really you know, I'm not so good with the favorites, um, but Taylor Swift has the most number of songs that I like. And I continue mm. to just find new songs that I like, even if they've been out for like five years and then I get obsessed with them and listen to them over and over again. But I really don't think I have a second one. It's just sort of whatever. What, what's your What's your favorite? I know you hate the word favorite, but <laughs> what's the most frequent, uh, frequently played Taylor Swift song for you? Um... Overall, probably Message in a Bottle, you know, which is the song I requested for the 50-calorie bike test. Okay. Um, and yeah. have you heard that song before? Uh, I've heard Message in a Bottle from the police. Uh, oh, you should try this one. Not from Taylor Swift. I'm assuming it's not. It's a new song, not a cover of the police. It's a new, newer Taylor Swift song, right? You know, see, I'm really not even a good Taylor Swift fan. I don't know how all of her music is working because she's like how redoing do you call yourself some. A fan? I don't. That's why I said I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I don't really know what's going on. I'm not really like a fangirl, fangirl. So you don't. You're not a Taylor Swift stan. You're just a. I'm not a Swifty. Uh, a Swifty. Stan. <laughs> a Swifty. <laughs> well, so what's uh, uh now we're talking favorites? So you've been doing CrossFit for how long? Oh, seven years in May. Seven years. Okay. Crazy. And what's your... Longer than me. What's your favorite? Yeah, I've yeah. been... So 2009, I started. So I'm 13 years. But I guess I wouldn't consider myself a CrossFitter in the past, like, three <laughs> years. So, like, once once a month. But uh, so what's your what's your favorite CrossFit workout? Oh, workout? Like yeah, a Yeah, like a, like a workout? benchmark workout. Yeah. Like one of the girls. I, I know those are kind of, like, they don't really do the girls so much in workouts anymore. But, like... Fran or definitely Grace not or Fran. Not Fran. Okay. Um, would be like Cindy. 
Like, do you know what your Cindy oh, score is? You know, I've never done just a straight Cindy, but that would probably be my best. Okay. Just because, like, body, body weight, weight yeah. yeah, like, long endurance is more my kind of you thing. You probably hit like 20 plus sprint. then, right? Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah, I feel like good scores now. So, so Cindy, for yeah. those who uh, don't know, CrossFit is a 20-minute AMRAP of five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, and 15 squats. And, yeah, I think... Back in the day, 25, 30 rounds was pretty, pretty legit. Now you have guys and girls that are in like the 40s. Yeah. But um, so, so good segue. The open, the first workout of the 2022 open, is released in about two hours. What, uh, um, what's been your best year of the open? I'm assuming you've done it every year, right? Yeah, my best year. I was just looking at this the other day. It was like three years ago. It looks like I'm, I'm getting worse. Uh-oh, um, plateauing. But we'll see. Maybe this year I'll bring it back. Yeah, I think it was three years ago. I think I did it. Scaled the first two years, okay. um, just because I really had like no strength. Um, but yeah, I think my fourth year in might have been my strongest performance in the open. Oh yeah. How? Uh, um, what was your best performance in a single workout? Like, or what was your favorite workout in the open? Oh, I, I don't even know if I remember them. Yeah. So I mean, there's a few that kind of I remember on one of your reels you talked about the the box jump over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that one. Snatch yeah. Last workout. year. Um, and then the wall walk, double unders last year. Do you like something more like that, like a gymnastic Yeah, one? What, what are you oh, looking for? Oh, for sure, yeah. I'm not a, not good with the heavy weights, so any heavy deadlifts aren't awesome. There was one that I, I don't remember what exactly it was. I think it had burpees in it and bar muscle-ups and maybe single or dumbbell thrusters. And it was super painful, but I think I did relatively better than I thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Burpees are usually, you know, good. Yeah. <laughs> I hate burpees. <laughs> you just got a long way to go. Don't get to the ground on burpees. Yeah, um, yeah so so uh, um, what's your expectation? Like, what do you want to see as a uh, um, as a workout for the first, uh, the first workout? I want all today? gymnastics and body weight all three weeks. <laughs> give me a give me a gymnastics. I know you, you um, said in the past handstand push-ups are kind of your jam. I mean, I like handstand push-ups, but when it comes to the open and they give you those standards, they're usually, you know, a little bit harder than normal. Um, but, yeah, I like handstand push-ups. Um, I mean, pull-ups or chest. Or I love toast bar, actually. Okay. So if they could throw some toast bar in there to begin. I think, I think, yeah, traditionally speaking, um, year after year, toast bar is one of, like, yeah. three movements that have always shown up every single year, so I'm toast pretty sure. Toast bar, double unders. Oh, yeah, uh, big double burpees, unders. Right? Burpees, yeah, and thrusters, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, usually the first open workout is usually kind of like a more um, beginner-friendly movement variation, right? Um, usually, you know, two, two or three movements that people, pretty much everybody can almost do um, to a certain degree and stuff, so... Um, yeah, I would say probably wouldn't be surprised if there's burpees in there, um, maybe some thrusters. Yeah, I don't know. So you said you said when you started doing CrossFit, you hadn't done a lot of strength training before. Do you want to? I know you told me personally your your like weightlifting numbers the other day. Um, where were you at when you started versus where you are right now? Oh my gosh, I'm so different. I couldn't do a single pull up. I don't know if I could do a single push up. Um, I can yeah vividly remember. Like, I don't know, maybe just a couple months into CrossFit, failing a 130 back squat. Like, yeah. And what's, so you can do, I'm assuming you can do a pull-up now. Yeah, so my max, and I don't know if this is happening right now, is 17. 17. So versus maybe Man. not even one. And those are, it. those are strict pull-ups. Those are strict. Okay. 
Yeah. Legendary. What about, uh, what's your back squat now? Uh, 200. 200, uh, supposedly. okay. Supposedly. <laughs> supposedly. That's the most you've done, I guess? Yeah, okay. yeah. Do you feel like if you would have, uh, um, would you be able to dance the, the same way you do, uh, or you did back when you danced now? No. <laughs> if you had continued to practice? Like, so, oh, so hypothetically, um, if you could go back to your old dancing self, do you think you would have um, been able to dance better? Oh, if you yeah, were stronger? for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, don't th- I couldn't dance as well as I could now just because I've lost flexibility and just like those movement patterns. But yeah, if I were stronger, for sure, I would have been able to dance better more explosive you know et yeah what do you feel like is the most common like dance injuries do you feel like it's knees um knees or ankles? yeah knees or ankles probably um i mean backs probably too especially if you think about like ballerinas all extreme, and all yeah, the yeah, ex- positions ex- that they're hyper in extension of their back um yeah, definitely lots of lower body. Do you feel like, so you said you did dance in college, so you worked with people that were, you know, ostensibly adults um, or danced with people that were adults. Was Were they strength training or is that pretty uncommon for um, for someone that does that's a dancer to also be doing any anything else besides dancing? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I danced for a couple years. I think at that point most people were st- going to the gym too but I wasn't never really with like super you know high level dancers I would imagine they're doing you know some version of strength training and maybe less like brute strength more like hypertrophy endurance training if we really looked at their programming um yeah I mean it's got to be tough right to like balance that flexibility and and strength um all in one yeah for sure I think I mean because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's like, again, if you're like a professional or, you know, you're dancing as a hobby, right? Again, you maybe have one or two hours to practice and stuff. Um, but then again, the majority of people probably are also working at nine to five. So then yeah. where do you add in the extra training time to, you know, work on, you know, all this accessory strength or flexibility and stuff like that? So, yeah, a lot of times, I mean, you see people in all different sports kind of struggle with this as well. You know, runners, swimmers, et cetera. Um, yeah, it's just at the end of the day, we almost have to kind of realize that, hey, we're not, you know, professional athletes. <laughs> we all have nine to fives and, you know, it's just maybe moving our bodies for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour is probably the best. Um, and maybe it may not really matter what, what type of um, movement it is as long as we're moving it. Um, so, yeah. Well, cool. Well, um, let's, I feel like we kind of segued a little bit away from uh, PT and physical therapy a little bit as, <laughs> as much as we CrossFit love, uh, yeah, <laughs> as much as we love CrossFit and stuff. But, you know, let's segue back a little bit um, just so we kind of give our listeners a little bit more um, information and stuff. So, I mean, like, what are some common, like, um, myths on physical therapy or pain um, that you've kind of come across um, these last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, that's... The biggest thing that I can get sort of hyped up on is people think because they don't know when they hear from their people in their circle that like they need images when they have an injury. And really, you know, the literature tells us that in a lot of cases we don't. And I think that in a lot of cases getting imaging can be super detrimental, like mentally, emotionally to an injury recovery. Um, so I think just like the hype on low back pain in general or the hype on like things being torn, um, that people think it's a bigger deal 
than it really has to be just because that's what the general population knows. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what, what should people do then? Because, um, again, they're probably only doing what, you know, maybe what their friends and family are mm-hmm. telling them or maybe what they see online. Hey, like, I hurt my back. Um, for example, hy- hypothetically speaking, you know, doing like a heavy five rep max um, deadlift in class. And now I've got back pain for, you know, two or three weeks. I'm getting some ridiculous symptoms going down my legs. Like, all, everyone's telling me I should go get an MRI see what's going on with my back, right? Yeah. Well, you know, my answer is super biased, but I think that physical therapists, I mean, we know the human body pretty dang well, and I think that we're really good at screening things too, so I think that we can be the first stop, and if you go to a physical therapist, they're going to tell you, no, you actually, you know, these ridiculous symptoms look a little bit scary, go see a doctor. Um, But otherwise, I think that... um, you know, doctors are really important and really helpful, but you don't necessarily need them right away. And if you go see them, you may end up getting information that gets into your head and sort of makes your recovery slower. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of times we want to think that, again, pain is strictly stemming from, again, this bioanatomical you know, deformity or potential, you know, injury structure that we have um, inside our body, right? But again, we now know that, hey, pain is like derived from like a multifactorial standpoint where, again, right, yes, potentially we may have kind of this uh, bulging disc, right? But again, at the same time, if you go get an x-ray and an MRI of like thousands of people who don't have pain, like to some extent, I think it's like, what, is, what do you think it was, Nate? Like 50 or 60% um, or even higher of people who don't have low back pain have some sort of bulging disc or herniation. Yeah. So it's pretty normal, honestly, um, for people to have some sort of like abnormalities in their back. And then at the same time, you know, people with pain, their pain fluctuates on an almost day-to-day basis, right? So we have other influences and factors at play that may, you know, influence our pain. Because for example, right, again, if we say, hey, my back pain is all due to, you know, this bulging disc in my back. Okay, well, if the disc is bulge, right? And again, if we go and get an MRI, potentially it is bulge, then how come we have days that, again, we our pain level is down to maybe like a one or two, and then other days where it's jacked up to like a six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always, yeah, you know, I always tell people that um, imaging is definitely, um, can definitely play a part of the puzzle, but it shouldn't be the only thing that we're kind of focused in, um, foc- uh, focused on or using to uh, base our appointment, our sorry, our treatment and plan of care going forward. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the recommendations for the clinical practice guidelines for treating low back pain recommends against early imaging for that reason because it just sends people down a different path, right? When they go get an MRI, they know something is going on there and they're going to either the, the doc that reads that or that sees that is going to, and as a surgeon, is going to want to do surgery or the patient is going to push for the surgery because they think, hey, that's going to be my way to getting out of back pain because obviously this is the, the cause of the back pain. Yeah. So. And plus, I mean, even even when people do get imaging, a lot of times, again, it won't really necessarily change, like, how you go about treating a patient. Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah. Because you go ba- completely based off symptoms, right? So that's the thing. It's like, okay, well, you get this image, and, you know, you come back with it. Well, okay, cool. Now what? <laughs> we're yeah. still, still in the same place as we were before. Yeah, you're still yeah. going to meet the patient where they are, get them back to doing the things that they want to do by just slowly progressing them regardless of like what their imaging says. Yeah. 
have you have you had that experience with people who have come in like to you whether it was in your residency um or where you were previously to where they come in with an with an imaging scan or like an mri and saying like hey this is my oh for sure yeah when people that's then that i think that's a problem is when they get this image for the rest of their life they're saying well i have a torn rotator cuff or i have two bulging discs and you know you're just like yeah, but I don't know. I probably do too. I mean, I don't say that obviously, but you know, you always have to ask permission. Can I, can I tell you, uh, what my thought is on, on imaging? Um, yeah, I mean, I always appreciate when I get to see someone early and I can be like, no, I don't think you need imaging yet. These are the, this is when an image would be indicated. Um, just because yeah, once it's in their head, it's in their head. True. Yeah. And a lot of times like, you know, people, don't understand that discs actually heal on their own, right? Which is actually pretty cool and neat. Um, Cause I mean, discs are just another part of our body and you know, just with other parts of our body over time, our body naturally goes through its own um, healing process and things end up repairing itself um, on their own, which is really cool to see. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, when is imaging indicated, right? So when should people go get an MRI? When do we actually refer people out to get MRIs and x-rays in? Sure, so um, as far as X-rays and initial imaging uh, could be indicated, right, if there's a traumatic injury or a fall, especially in an older individual where um, they may just not have the bone strength yeah. that a younger Yeah, so fractures, does. right? Sure. Stress fractures, fractures. Yep. Um, of course, progressive neurological deficits, like progressing numbness, progressing weakness, changes in bowel bladder habits. Um, and then really, otherwise, it's not indicated for the first six to eight weeks. Um, unless you're not seeing improvement. So maybe if you tried PT, you know, committed to it for six to eight weeks and you saw no changes, then it may be indicated at that yeah. point. I think it's also like, you know, a couple of red flags for, um, you know, like some, uh, what is it, like bowel bladder issues. Yeah, um, cotoquina. Yeah, some pretty scary stuff, uh, tumor, right? Um, but again, it's like, if it's not like, a couple of one of these like four big main red things like mm -hmm. you probably don't need an imaging or mri yeah for sure yeah one of my mentors love to give this analogy to people you know if they were worried about maybe even a meniscus um or a disc you'd say have you ever had an ankle sprain you know most people have had experience with that and then did it heal well yes okay so your disc is just like a thick ligament you know it's going to heal too just to sort of put it into perspective because society thinks back, they think discs, they think horrible things. And so, you know, just it's another part of your body and it can get better. That's a great analogy. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. It's, it is pretty, uh, um, a pretty apt comparison. But you, just like you said, anytime you think back, when you, I think when you Google it, I don't, I don't Google it anymore, <laughs> but when you Google back pain, it's always like, you know, bone cancer of the spine sure. is the first thing that pops up and it's like well that's it <laughs> that's it for me <laughs> but it is like you know it's like if you sprain your ankle you you know it sucks and it mm -hmm. gets better over the course of a few weeks and it's going to be really uncomfortable and swollen and you have to do all these things but it does get better and i think a lot of people just have this conception that like back pain is something that you live with forever just because they they have maybe it was a loved one who was like had debilitating back pain and like wasn't able to and had back surgery and ended up being worse after the surgery and it's just leads to this like long road of like treatments and being um being unable to do things without pain for so long so like very few people i think have like ankle injury stories or ankle sprain stories yeah. like that you know? yeah that's a good point i mean another misconception would be right oh my 
dad has knee troubles too or you know my like pain is hereditary yeah yeah Yeah, and right there's a certain hereditary component to maybe the way that your body changes as you age but just because you had a relative with these kinds of problems doesn't mean that you have to Um, because i'm sure there are things that could be changed to alter how you're feeling carve your own path right just because your dad was a carpenter doesn't mean you have to be a carpenter right so just because they have back pain doesn't mean you need to have back pain too. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely solutions out there um, for pain. Well, awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about some non-PT things. Um, let's fire away some questions at her, Nate. What, are, right. some, what are some fun ones uh, we got planned? All right. Do you, uh, do you have pets? Oh, do I have pets? <laughs> I have the most beautiful little girl. <laughs> her name is Harley. Um, she's almost three, but it's a fake birthday, so I don't actually know. So gotcha, gotcha date? Yeah. Um, no, actually, gotcha date's in April, but fake birthday's in March. Um, so Pop got her last April. Yeah. So Harley's a dog? Harley's a dog. Okay, all right. Yeah, she's a Mountain Cur Terrier mix. You know, I had to get her DNA tested because yeah. I wanted to. Yeah. Had to. Did you have dogs growing up? Why'd you want to get a dog? Oh, yeah. Why I not a parrot? Oh, um, great. Or question. a goldfish. <laughs> no, yeah, I grew up with dogs. My mom's a big fan of the dogs. Um, so I always knew I wanted a dog. Um, you know, I was always saying, oh, I'll wait until I have more time. But then last year I woke up one day and I was like, hey, I'm never going to have time. And then I started looking for dogs. Where'd you get, uh, where'd you get Harley? I got her from the SBCA. Okay. Which um, is? What does it stand for? SBCA. SPCA. SPCA. Okay. Yeah. It's I have like no a idea. Rescue. I don't okay. know. Is it a North thing? I have no Maybe. idea. Maybe. It's a Hershey thing. A Hershey yeah. I got her in upstate New York. Okay. Upstate so New York she's thing. a rescue? Yeah, she's a rescue. She okay. came from North Carolina. She was actually brought with her seven puppies. So she was like a new mom. I met her like the day after surgery. Yeah. Why'd you name her Harley? Oh, because I looked at her and I thought she looked like a Harley. It looked like a Harley. It was between that and like Layla, but then I brought her home and literally like two minutes into bringing her home, I just started calling her Harley. So it's like that's Layla it. sounds very like islandy. Yeah, she doesn't look like a Tropical. Layla, right? Yeah. yeah, she looks like a Harley. She looks like a Harley. <laughs> the only Harley, the only other Harley I know is uh, Harley Quinn from. Um, yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing because I don't, I don't know many things. Um. So do, do you do you drive motorcycles? Is that why? Like, no, my okay. dad does though, so I thought he would appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, he has two Harleys and he's okay. very into them. Nice. So, uh, what, uh, um, do, what do you do with Harley? Um, I like to walk her. We have been loving Dogwood Park. I take her when it's you know a little bit quieter because she's not the chillest dog in the world um <laughs> but yeah we like to walk i like um when she sleeps on me those are those are the two biggest activities very very cute <laughs> um i don't have any dogs but nate does uh nate has a giant pit is it pit uh oh, english bulldog a, english bulldog, yeah. bulldog yeah. uh named atlas yeah. you do does atlas sleep on you dude he's great uh he i mean he tries yeah. <laughs> we, he somehow found a way to box jump 24 inches up to our bed. Hey, athlete. Yeah, yeah, he's an athlete for sure. But um, yeah, we'll I'll bring him up here one of one of these days. So and he'll, then he'll be, squat him. He'll be a therapy dog. Yeah, you might have a little more trouble squatting him <laughs> than you, uh, yeah. than you did Harley. That's pretty big. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's like? Yeah. What are some other things you like to do uh, for fun? Oh, 
besides CrossFit? You know you like CrossFit. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so literally I'm in the process of finding hobbies. I am signed up for pottery classes in a few weeks. Um, but otherwise, I don't know, you know, maybe read a book, um, uh, go to work. So you're looking for, <laughs> so basically what you're, we're trying to crowdsource right now some more hobbies for yeah. Dr. Yeah, Kate. Yeah, so last year, I'll tell you, I took a rock climbing class. That was fun, but it did not feel like a hobby. Um, oh, I learned how to swim last year. So I'm trying to Ooh. like try new things. Yeah. Um, I'm not that adventurous, but I will take, um, you know, ideas. Yeah, play some pickleball. I, I uh, picked up pickleball in the last month, and I've been playing a lot. It's super fun. <laughs> what's your What's your rating now, Peter? Are you I, I feel like yet? so. This is gonna sound really really cocky, but I feel like I went into the sport as like a three five four. Uh, <laughs> like now, now I'm probably gonna, my level of improvement is very it's very slim because I think the biggest you can get is a five out. But okay. um, yeah, I will say I, I I grew up playing tennis and ping pong, so mm. it, was, it was very natural yeah. um, to me. But the yeah, newbie, play, the play some games yeah, play, play some pickleball. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Yeah, we'll see. My, my, remember the hand eye coordination is not awesome but maybe after seven years of crossfit things have changed yeah the wall ball shots have helped yeah for sure (laughs) (laughs) said no one over (laughs) okay um Um, yeah go ahead you guys the next question what about uh um, what about food what's your favorite uh your favorite style of cuisine oh i love i like an asian flavor okay usually something i cook every week has some kind of like you know uh, yeah like stir fry or yeah yeah Oh, so like today I had that like quinoa salad with like it has some like ginger and peanut and some yeah, like, so kind of like Thai, that's like, yeah, Thai, like Thai, Thai base. Yeah, yeah. You, I don't. Yeah. yeah. You cooking yourself? You uh, you like to cook? Um, I don't necessarily like to cook, um, but it's like the most time and money efficient way to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's all right. Yeah. What about, what, have you, you found any good uh, um, Asian restaurants around here that you like? Oh, I went to Domu. That was good. Yeah, I'll take suggestions for that too, though. Yeah, awesome. Domu, Domu Ramen is pretty good. I like, um, there's a really cool place called Hot Pot and Korean Barbecue. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's like a good mix. Do you, have you ever had Hot Pot before? No. I always tell, bring all my Caucasian friends um, yeah. there and stuff. But <laughs> um, Hot Pot is basically like this giant, like, flavored broth, and you have all these, like, um, raw meats, seafood, and vegetables, and you're basically kind of cooking the broth, and it's oh. it's a pretty cool experience. And then they mix that with uh, Korean barbecue. Um, have you had Korean barbecue before? No. Wow, we got we got a lot of places yeah. to take yeah, it. Me. It's really it's really good. It's kind of like a it's like an Asian golden corral, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, I, don't, but, I feel like it's levels above <laughs> golden corral, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I, I think Rachel and I when we went, we kind of joked that if uh, if we weren't there with Peter, we would have no idea what to do because yeah. it's just a bunch of like raw meats, and then <laughs> you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. There's with a certain this. certain way to go about cooking the raw meats as yeah. well too and stuff. So yeah, well, next adding, we'll we'll take you there, Kate. All right. Um, well, let's yeah, let's wrap up this uh, episode. And so let's let's leave our listeners with you know maybe what's one thing that they can kind of um, do immediately right away to you know improve their health. I would just say move more, but know that that doesn't have to look a certain way, and that whatever you're gonna do, whatever makes you feel good, is what's right for you. Cool. I like it. Short, simple, and short. Well, how, let, me, let me ask this: like, how often should they move? How frequent? Well, 
I say anything's better than nothing. Start yeah. where you're at, build up until you've found what works for you. And, you know, So you out. find a fun hobby that you like. Yeah, exactly. Like Kate, you're in the same boat as Kate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, well, Kate, where can people get in contact with you? Oh, they can uh, find me on the MotionRx Instagram. They can also find me on my personal Instagram. What's your personal Instagram? Oh, I think it's catmont underscore DPT, I want to say. Catmont underscore DPT. Yeah. Um, yeah, shoot her a follow, guys. She puts out some cool Harley dog Yeah, content. lots of dog pictures. Lots of dog pictures, <laughs> um, some dancing reels and stuff on her uh, MotionRx page. And, yeah, we're super excited to have you here, Kate, and hope you guys like this episode <laughs> i enjoyed it nate did you great. enjoy it loved it okay. great episode best kate, one yet this is guys this is kate's first podcast episode so how did you what did you how did you like this episode kate it was the best podcast i've ever been on. Nice. hell yeah love it love it awesome we'll see you guys next episode All thanks right. for listening Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. You can find us on Instagram at the Healthy Jacks Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and let us know if you have any topics or guests that you would like us to bring on to the show. Thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, stay healthy and keep moving, Jacksonville.